InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. How much do you know about genetically modified foods? The debate from both sides of the issue can be confusing. InfoTrack's Lisa G. talks to a journalist to shed some light on the subject. Lisa? Thanks, Chris. We are speaking with author Caitlin Shetterly, who is the author of Modified GMOs and the Threat to Our Food, Our Land, Our Future. GMOs, a very hot topic right now. And Caitlin, what happened to you and your son that you decided eventually to write a book like this? I was sick for about four, four and a half years, and I had something that no one could diagnose. I had strange symptoms, not strange in themselves, but strange when they were all combined. I had rashes on my face and headaches, a constant head cold. I was exhausted all the time, pain or arthritis throughout my body. And the pain was honestly the hardest thing to take. I was a new mother for part of that time. And I was having a hard time with my hands in particular. I'm a writer, so that was a little bit problematic. My hands would freeze and be stiff like claws, and um, I had a hard time buttoning my little son's sweaters. I saw every specialist who would see me, and lots of scary diagnoses were trotted out, and I would kind of get myself around that idea, and then it wouldn't be that. I had brain scans and neurology tests, and I was treated for Lyme disease for a while and all kinds of stuff. But in the end, I saw an immunologist, a very Western immunologist, not an alternative doctor at all, who had worked on a fellowship with Duke for NIOSH, National Institute of Occupational and Safety Health. And he told me that he was starting to see these kind of bucket illnesses that people have, and he believed it was tied to GMO foods. And he wasn't sure if it was the pesticide that's inserted into the GMO, because, of course, for instance, GMO corn is registered by the EPA as a pesticide in each cell of a corn plant that's a GMO carries its own pesticide or many pesticides, or if it was inserted into it to make it Roundup Ready or even to make it something else. When you are inserting things into the cells of plants, unpredictable things can happen. They don't necessarily fall into line and into place exactly how you imagine in a lab. Or if it was the pesticides themselves that go along with these crops. He wasn't sure, but he thought something about these crops was making people have these chronic autoimmune and allergic responses, and he suggested I take GMO corn out of my diet harder than you might think. I did so, and I got better. And so the book became a quest to figure out if this guy was crazy, if this made any sense at all, what a GMO really was, because like many educated people, I honestly had no idea what a GMO was. If you had asked me to explain it to you, I could not have. And I drove across the Great Plains and our heartland, and then I went to Europe, and then I spent time in California interviewing scientists, activists, doctors, farmers, GMO and non-GMO, politicians, anyone who would talk to me about this issue. We're speaking with Caitlin Shetterly, who is the author of Modified GMOs and the Threat to Our Food, Our Land, Our Future. Now, for the person who's listening who doesn't understand what a GMO is, can you give us maybe GMO 101? Yeah, I can. I feel like most of everything out there about GMOs is too complicated. And as some of the GMO proponents in my book say, you know, why do we have to explain this to mothers and regular people? They should just trust us that we understand the science and they don't need to know. And I disagree. I think we all need to know because this is affecting our food, our environment, our children. We need to know what this is. 
So to put it simply, a GMO is simply when you take cells from a different species and put them inside another species. So a really easy example is they were making, for a little while, they were testing a frost-free strawberry. They took genes from flounder, a fish, a bottom fish that does not freeze. It stays at the bottom of the ocean. They took some cells from a flounder and put them inside strawberries to make them so strawberries would not freeze in the frost and they could have a longer growing season. Now with corn, corn is sort of a floozy. You can pretty much do anything with corn, and corn's very promiscuous. It loves to spread its pollen, and it loves to crossbreed with other corn plants. But with corn, geneticists have had a blast with corn because you can do so many interesting things to corn. There are lots of traits that are engineered into corn. So GMO corn is going to have all kinds of different bells and whistles. But one of the major things is they've taken a pesticide called BT, which is actually used in organic farming. It's a pesticide that's sprayed. It's made from a bacteria, which is an entirely different phyla than corn. I mean, it's definitely not the same species. Bacteria and corn would never mate in nature. And it's a spray that's used in organic farming. However, in organic farming, it dissipates. You spray it at night often. It's made from a bacteria that's available in the dirt. And then it loses its efficacy very quickly and breaks down sun, rain, wind, all these things. And it just dries up and and goes away. And you can wash it off. The difference is that when you're taking BT and you're putting cells from this bacteria inside the corn, every cell of that plant is now an insecticide. So they have different kinds of proteins that come from this bacteria for different kinds of bugs, different kinds of insects. But when that bug bites it, Usually what takes place is that septicemia or blood poisoning occurs and the insect dies. So the question is whether or not putting that bacteria, that insecticide, inside of corn actually makes it dangerous to people. The problem is when corporations and money come into farming and people are vulnerable, all kinds of things can happen. But this is our food. We aren't even choosing. I mean, with secondhand smoke or with cigarettes, the tobacco issues that we've had in this country and the tobacco industry, we can choose to smoke or not. We can't choose to feed our children. People don't mind spending over $100 for a pair of sneakers, and they complain about how expensive organic food is. But organic food goes inside your body. So what would your suggestion be to some of our listeners right now who may want to make the change? How can they shop for organic food and things like that? Well, eat organic. I say this and I understand that organic has this veneer of being expensive for the Volvo driving Eileen Fisher wearing set. It doesn't have to be. I'm not that set. We buy from farmers that we know. We look them in the eye. We ask them what they use. Non-GMO does not mean it's organic. So what you want is organic. Be creative. Like we buy tomato seconds that are sort of blemished from a farmer we know and we make our own tomato sauce and can it every fall. That saves us a lot of money, actually. We buy a portion of a grass-fed cow from a farmer we know. We go in on it with a few families. I think the biggest thing that can help is having a freezer. You can put a lot of things in a freezer. We try to just buy from people we know and people we trust. And I think just being able to ask your farmer questions and understand the answers. And it can be intimidating to ask a farmer, like, what did you spray on these crops? Can you tell me how you grew these crops? But you'll find that nine times out of ten, they'll be totally honest and they'll want to share with you. Caitlin Shetterly, the author of Modified GMOs and the Threat to Our Food, Our Land, Our Future. Do you have a website as well? 
It's CaitlinShetterly.com, and I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. It was wonderful. Thank you. For InfoTrack, I'm Lisa G. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.